You are listening to the Zookeeper Stories Podcast with your host, Matthew Price. The goals of this show are to share the stories of animal care professionals around the world, give advice on how to get to the field, and share information that will help out new zookeepers. One of the most common questions people in our field are asked is, how did you get your job? I hope to shed some light on that question and many more by investigating the origin stories of the people on the front lines of the animal care world, the zookeepers. Welcome back to another episode of the Zookeeper Stories podcast. I am your host, Matt Price. Today, I have uh, a keeper that I actually met on Twitter through my other online kind of activity. I also host uh, a couple of fantasy football podcasts, so I interact in that space on Twitter mostly. And I've been searching for a very long time, uh, another zookeeper that plays fantasy football or writes about fantasy football or something. And I don't remember exactly how it happened. I think you got tagged in a, in a, in a post to Scott Fish or something, Jim. Um, but we were able to hook up and I found somebody. I finally found someone else that plays fantasy football and is also a zookeeper. So today we have Jim Sanford, who works at the Minnesota Zoo. How are you, Jim? I'm good. I'm good. How's everybody doing? Yeah, we're doing we're doing really good. Excited to talk to you today. So you work at the Minnesota Minnesota Zoo, correct? And that's different than the Como Zoo, right? I do. Yeah, Minnesota, uh, the, the Twin Cities area is kind of unique. Uh, we're one of the few places that has two major zoos um, relatively close to each other, about a half hour apart. In fact, I claimed for a while to be the only zookeeper that drove past one zoo uh, to go work at a different <laughs> one because I literally drove basically through the Como Zoo parking lot. That's funny. Are, are the zoos related? Are they like sister parks or something? Or are they totally like independent? We we work. No, we're not related at all. It's not like the the uh, New York uh, zoos. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, we work closely with one another. But uh, management, there's it, it's not related. Gotcha. Cool. And so, how long have you been at the at the Minnesota Zoo now, Jim? Uh, I think I I hit my six year mark this week, actually. Yeah, me and a coworker have the exact same start date, just I think twenty five or twenty six years apart. So. <laughs> nice. And uh, what's like? What what is kind of like your role there currently at, at that zoo? Currently, I'm a float keeper. I have kind of uh, two different positions at the zoo right now. I'm a float keeper, so like other zoos, float, swing, whatever you want, relief, whatever you want to call it. I kind of go where I'm needed mm-hmm. uh, when keepers have long periods of uh, either time off or uh vacation or uh, surgery anything like that i'll step in and uh uh, fill that role until they're back nice this summer uh during the summer i am the assistant curator of our kangaroo uh walkabout australia exhibit Oh, that's awesome, man. Uh, yeah, I, I I know what it's like, the the swing keeper, relief keeper life. That's me, too. I'm kind of I'm one of the few people on my team that are are trained in basically every area on the team. So I fill in for weekends, vacation, whatever, basically wherever there's a hole to fill. They that's where they send me. So I know how that goes. Uh, definitely leads to a lot of variety in your day. Sometimes you, sometimes you want to be able to follow yourself, though. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. yeah. There's definitely uh, pros and cons to the I know I'm in, on this routine tomorrow. Uh, mentality but uh i like to hop around so it it, it i it, i think it's a, a good mix for me yeah it gives you a nice variety you get to work with something every day a different every day that kind of thing so uh, i get bored to work in the same thing all the time so it works out well for me too so uh what what typically you mentioned you're the assistant curator also for the for the uh, australian area so what what area does you work on as part of your normal normal day when you're not doing the australian stuff 
right now I've gone back and forth between our tropics mammals and our northern trail. When I started at the zoo, I was a tropics keeper. Um, and I was in there for about a year. So it was a lot of uh, South American species and some Asian, like Malayan um, area uh, animals. And then we do have some African stuff. Our tropics building is broken down into uh, uh, hot spots. So we'll have the different regions of Africa where you have these huge populations of different species in Asia and, and um, South America. Um, so uh, it's kind of a di diverse setting. There's different small hoofstock, some reptiles, um, and then a lot, quite a few primates. That's awesome. So nice, nice variety of stuff there. You mentioned Malayan, so I got I to gotta go back there real quick. Uh, I, and I can't remember if it was your zoo or the Como Zoo that just had a, a taper baby, a Malayan taper baby recently. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I was awesome. lucky enough to be part of that crew um, to be around when we would go in and do the weights and the cleaning and stuff. But um, as a relief keeper, I kind of know that, you know, there are keepers that work 40 hours a week with that species. So it's kind of like, no, you guys go, I'll, I'll help clean up the poop. You go do the fun stuff. Like, <laughs> I get it. I get yeah. it. Yeah. I know how I that just get a quick photo here and there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was lucky enough to do the same thing at, uh, at Woodland Park Zoo. Uh, I, I filled in for a keeper that had a knee injury. And during that time uh, we had the, had a juvenile um, that was being raised. So it was, that was a lot of fun. That was, that was what actually one of became, that's how it became one of my favorite species, honestly. Uh, so that's awesome, man. Well, let's go back a little bit. Let's actually, I guess, way back. Let's go back to the beginning. What happened, uh, I guess, early in your life that it kind of made you want to work with animals and, and really do it professionally at some point? Was there it's like an event early in your life, whether it was when you were in like elementary school or even younger that I kind of said, Hey, I, I love animals and, and I might want to do this at some point. Yeah, I mean, we can get the embarrassing stories out of the way real early. <laughs> okay. Um, so when when I was a kid, like growing up in St. Paul, yeah, we had both zoos. So we had the Como Zoo is a free zoo. It's one of the few free zoos in the country. Um, and I grew up in Como Park, like went to Como Park High School. Um, so we'd always go to the Como Zoo. But my family also had a membership to Minnesota. So it was either, you know, if we had a full Saturday of nothing to do, we'd go out to the big zoo. So I was always around animals and growing up in, in the Midwest and Minnesota. Um, I think we all understand how important nature is. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's more cultural than, than in a lot of other places. So uh, even though I grew up in the city the you know, nature was just outside, like yeah. it was a 30 minute drive. My dad grew up in northern Minnesota, so he'd go up and visit relatives and um, go fishing and things like that or go up to the Boundary Waters. Um, and I'm not like a super outdoorsy guy. I've never camped or anything like that. <laughs> or I'm not I'm not super big on fishing. I think it's one of the reasons that I left the state for so long because uh, fishing wasn't uh, wasn't for me. <laughs> um, but just going to zoos and being able to, you know, remove yourself from the city and going and stepping into Africa or stepping into the tropics or Minnesota zoo is real nice because we have a, a nice aquarium department. Uh, so being able to just go in and now you're at the ocean. Um, I think I just really, really enjoyed going to zoos. Like I fell for zoos almost more than I fell for the animals in zoos. It was just like a super, it was like going on vacation, but not leaving, you know, more than 20 miles from your house. As I got into high school, because I went to Como Park, um, I played, I tried to play sports. I was not good at sports, but we didn't cut anybody. So I got to be on the team. <laughs> um, 
in between school and practice, we'd have like an hour or two to kill. So friends and I would go to the Como Zoo and just ki- literally just kill time. But like they were killing time. I was like, oh, let's go see, you know, this animal or that animal. Right. And really, into it. we called it Zoo Mondays. We went every Monday. Uh, hopefully those guys listen to this podcast when I tell them <laughs> on it and give a shout out. So, uh, but yeah, that's, that's really where, and then, you know, you start taking aptitude tests and they're like, Hey, you can either go into a profession like a postal carrier, like my dad was, or it looks like you kind of like animals. So maybe check out that path. And that seemed, uh, a lot more interesting. So, and went to school for zoology and never looked back. Okay, cool. So what, let's, let's go back a little bit. Uh, were, were your parents like very supportive of this pa- new passion of yours? Like, were they into it as much as you were? Or they were they just kind of yeah, like, oh, this guy likes to go play with uh, animals all day? They are super into it. Nice. They're, I think there are some days that my family's more into it than I am. To be honest. <laughs> like, it's great. Like, I'm, I'm great. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing anything else with my career, but like, there they love it so it's it's really really nice it, it's you're really lucky to have a supportive family um when we'd go on vacation we would use our minnesota zoo membership to go to other zoos like we'd uh routinely drive to chicago for like uh i think it was over like spring break or something when i was a kid so we'd go to brookfield and shed and lincoln park and when we go to florida uh for vacation we'd always vacation in florida there's actually the central florida zoo is in sanford florida so my family always just was like, that's <laughs> yep. our zoo, so we need to go to it. And so, yeah, they're always, and my family, my parents like to travel now as they're retired. Um, and they'll, they'll just be like, yeah, we stopped at this place. We stopped at this zoo. We went here, we went there, and I always get a crushed penny. So <laughs> That's funny. Every, every zoo has one of those, like, crushed penny uh, emblem things. Actually, the other day I was, I was walking by, and there was a kid trying to use one of the, the machines at, at our zoo, and the mom was like, sorry, I don't have a penny. We don't, I don't carry pennies anymore. Like I, you're just going to have to find one. And I was walking by them. I actually saw one right on the, on the ground next to them. It was a, it was heads up. I was like, Hey, look, I got a penny for you. So uh, mom did have some quarters to, to, to pay for it. So that it kind of made it. That's funny that every, every zoo kind of has that. That's cool, man. So, um, uh, Family very supportive. I, I did the same thing when I was growing up. Like when we went on vacation, or even even still as an adult, whenever we go to vacation to a new city or something, like we make a point one day is the zoo day to check it out. So uh, that sounds very similar to me as well. Okay, so you were in high school. You were going to the zoo uh, on Zoo Mondays. And at, at what point in your high school career did you know? Okay, I want to go be a, be an actual zookeeper. And, and like kind of like what steps did you take towards uh, trying to trying to make that happen there? It was probably my junior or senior year um, when I, I started thinking about going to college and uh, where I was going to go and, and really what I wanted to do. And uh, I started looking at different schools. I knew one thing. I knew I didn't want to stay in the Twin Cities area. I knew I wanted to get away um, just to kind of go off and be on my own and be independent totally. for a bit. Um, so, you know, you're when you're older in high school, you know, your last couple of years in high school, you're getting all the flyers and stuff about, uh, you know, different, check out different schools or check us out at that, at a college expo or something like that. And I got NDSU and, and they had, um, you know, some zoos would have zoology in there or some schools would have zoology in there, small print as a, as a major. And they added like one of their top ones. And then uh, on top of having zoology as a major, they had three different um, degrees that you could get there. Um, so it seemed like that program was um, 
uh, was re a really nice program at a decent school and that it was like three or four hours from the Twin Cities. My dad grew up about an hour from Fargo. He went to school in the Fargo-Moorhead area. Um, so it, it, it seemed like a good idea. It's kind of seemed like, you know, NDSU and the Bison were calling. So I was going to go up and check it out. And that's where I ended up going. I looked at one other school and was just like, no, let's go to NDSU. That's awesome. Um, so that that's is. Would you say that that's a smaller community than the same the Twin City area? Was it yeah, a little bit? Yeah, was it's it, quite a bit smaller. It was kind of weird. It, uh, you know, you take a sociology class and you hear about culture shock. And I, I was going to say that. Yeah, was it a culture shock? shock? It's like one big city to small. I had a lot of people that were like, "Why?" <laughs> like you could have gone to them, like because I I know that. Like I did. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was it was kind of interesting, but it was super fun because like as as close as as it is to, uh, for someone in the Twin Cities to get to nature and just drive up. Plus, we, you know, we have lakes everywhere around every corner. Right. Um, you go up to NDSU is like my or uh, ornithology class. They'd literally be like, all right, get in the van. And five minutes later, we were at some hot spot, you know, looking at 20 different species of birds. Um, so it, it was super nice. Yeah, it seems like that's a good spot for for that kind of major because there's there's actually not just city animals around, right? You're not yeah. going studying pigeons yeah. or whatever. So that's cool. Yeah. So yeah, if you guys are looking for uh, a college to go to that has a zoology degree in a good spot, North Dakota State University, yeah. um, definitely. There's definitely a lot of us. There's a lot of uh, NDSU grads, I think, that are, are are zookeepers now. There's quite a few at the Minnesota Zoo. Um, I know there are a handful across the country, uh, at least that I know of. Um, yeah, it was kind of interesting because I'd be in class with kids that were straight up off the farm. Like <laughs> they had their cowboy boots on. Uh, they smelled like barn because that's what they were working in about an hour before class. <laughs> and then there was like wildlife ecologists, like they want to work at, in state parks and stuff. And so like, we'd all, you know, sit around and like, I think we were all confused by each other, but we were all, you know, working together. It was, it was really cool. Cause there, yeah, there's like three or four different people that I went to college with that I still talk to now. I know. Um, and we all started out NDSU and eventually the Red River Zoo. Okay. So yeah. So let's transition there. So you went to, went to NDSU for, for college. <laughs> Did you already know when you applied and when you were a freshman there that, that you, that you, this is the, the kind of path that you wanted to pursue? Did you like declare that major right away? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay. To the point where I was like confused that nobody else, when I was like, I think I want to be a zookeeper. Everyone was like, I want to do research. I want to do research. So I remember being in an orientation class and saying, I want to be a zookeeper, but I think maybe I'll also do research just to make sure that I wasn't the only person. <laughs> Cause I felt, well, I definitely felt weird. Peer pressure. You got to go do some research. Yeah. I, I, I kind of thought early on that I might want to go do research and I, and I do like lab time, but I had a job kind of in between zookeeping spots where I did some environmental chemistry work. And then I realized that like after about three weeks that I could not be in a lab or, or, or whatever all day. So totally get you there. Okay. So as you go through college and you get closer to to graduating, did you have a plan already for what the next step was in terms of like getting an internship or, or, or your first job? Yeah, that's my biggest advice to any anybody who's either in college or thinking about uh, going to college for zoology to be a zookeeper is do your internships early. Like I did, I started volunteering at the Red River Zoo after my sophomore year, which is a little zoo in Fargo. Um, I did, I started volunteering that led itself to an internship 
after my or during my junior year. And then after my junior year, I did another internship at the Brookfield Zoo. So, so I, like I was during done, the summers, during the summers? Yeah. Or, okay. Well, one was actually on the weekends during my junior year. Uh, I would just go out and and work two days a week, but I did it like the entire school year. So you went to school five days a week and then worked at the zoo two days a week? Yeah. And wow. I worked at Petco. So. Hang on, no time off, huh? <laughs> grind, got to grind. No, that was early. a busy year, and that was also that was also the year I turned twenty-one. So that was like, oh man, just, uh, there was a lot going on. Yeah, <laughs> especially a small town like that, where, there, where there's not a not a whole lot to do other than than drink and take care of animals, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so the Red River Zoo, Fargo, um, was that a paid? Was that a paid internship? No, that was a no. It was not unpaid. I did get college credit for that one though. Okay, nice. What so what kind of stuff? Like, what was kind of like the first uh, thing they had you do? Like uh, when you when you started doing the internship there, did you have a lot of like I have to hang out in the in the livestock yard, or did you get thrown into exotics kind of pretty quick? Oh no, they were. It was like just you're on my hip, let's go. Like it was they. they it's a it was a even smaller zoo uh, then. Like it, every time I go up to Fargo and visit, I. I enjoy going to the Red River Zoo because it's just grown so much since I was there. But when I was there, it was like, I want to say it was like eight, eight acres developed. Like there wasn't a lot there. Like their biggest, like their most exotic animals, red pandas. They had Szechuan talking uh, and Bactrian camels. And then there was a lot of like North American stuff and some livestock. The keepers were just like, we take care of almost everything. They, I think they had two routines when I was there. And uh, so like Saturday, I'd go on one routine and help. And then Sunday, I'd go on a different one. And after a couple of weeks, they were like, here are your keys. Um, (laughs) You can can work independently and just go for it. That's awesome, dude. So you got kind of thrown into the fire right away. I assume the smaller zoos like that, they have they kind of have to because they don't have the luxury of having a lot of labor. So any extra labor they get is probably very much welcome. Okay, so you did an internship there at the Red River Zoo. That was during your junior year. And you said, did you go back there after your senior year? No, I didn't. I went back uh, to volunteer. I ended up okay. working in our zoo at a herb lab uh, with like snakes and tortoises and frogs and all sorts of random stuff. We had a couple grad students that were uh, studying herpetology. So it was basically taking care of their collection and some uh, of the other collection the zoo or the school had, had um, compiled. Uh, so I worked there instead of at the zoo, but I, I'd still go out and volunteer at the zoo. Okay. And then, so after that, well, after you graduated from, from NDSU, what, what kind of happened next? What were, were, were did you, were you, did you have some kind of limbo period? Did you already have a plan for what happened after you graduated? No, actually after my junior year, but uh, between my junior and senior year, I interned at the Brookfield Zoo also. Oh, okay. Wow. So I moved to awesome. Chicago. Yeah. So that was, that was still, that one was during school also. No, that one was, uh, well, I mean, it was during, but it was on summer. Summer between junior and senior year. Yep. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So I I moved to Chicago for a summer and uh, did an internship there and that was uh, awesome too. So it was real nice to get like the big difference between small zoo and huge, (laughs) well-known established zoo. Yeah. So talk about your experience at, at Brookfield a little bit and how that went. Okay, yeah, Brookfield, I went, I was an intern on the uh, um, Habitat Africa, um, and it was the forest portion, so I got to work with Okapi, which was awesome, yeah, and uh, then some other 
uh, hoofstock species like dikers and um, we had uh, Congo buffalo and Red River hogs and some bird stuff and some little reptile stuff. Uh, but yeah, it was, that one was super fun too. That's cool. Uh, I, I've, I've only, only time I've ever got a chance to work with Okapis was on our late shift here. Our late shift, the Okapis are not on our team. They're on a different team, but our late shift like brought in the Okapis from the other, other area. And we basically just pulled them off exhibit, walked them down the shoe. That's all I've ever yeah. really done with them. But uh, a friend of mine at Disney, she works with them almost every day and she wrote some papers about doing uh, ultrasounds and stuff with them, trained a few for ultrasounds and things. So uh, th- those animals are awesome. So uh, it sounds yeah. like you got a lot of, again, a lot of varied experience there at, at Brookfield. Yeah, I, I think I, I don't know why I was so aware of what to do in college, but it was just like, just work with animals, just constantly work with animals. Like some sometimes when when we get interns at the zoo or, or younger keepers, I'm like, what did you do all all of college? And they're like, nothing. <laughs> why not? Like, get in there, get at it. Yeah, I mean, the best I, I don't. Most, not all zookeepers, but a lot of zookeepers that I work with, including myself, like I, I learn better by, by actually going and doing it. You know, like, I, I don't know how training days work for you guys, but for, for most zoos that I've been at, like for the first day of training is like, you're just falling around, not even really picking up a rake or shovel or really doing anything. You're just watching. And like, I, I get an idea of what's going on there, but then I get to do, and they're asking me at the end of the day, do you have any questions? And I'm like, no, not really. I haven't really done anything. And then I start doing yeah. stuff the next day and I'm like, Oh, well, what about this? What about that? So yeah, that's really good advice to just get in there and volunteer or intern or whatever to get yourself going. So, um, you went through that, you did your senior year, did, uh, so your senior year, were you already starting to apply for, for jobs during that? Or did you kind of wait till, till after you were done? How did that all shake out? Yeah, I, I remember I, I started applying uh, around um, winter break, I think. Like, I, I remembered asking someone, like, is it if I still have a whole semester, I shouldn't be applying? And they're like, just do it. <laughs> like, what's the I remember I applied to the Kansas City Zoo and I applied to the Houston Zoo. And I don't think I ever heard back from one. And another one, uh, Kansas City was like, well, we're looking for someone now, but we'll put you on our waiting list. And yeah, that's where I ended up getting a call and interviewing over spring break in Kansas City. And uh, after my senior year, like a week after I moved to Kansas City and started working down there. That's that's really good advice, too, uh, is to start applying early because a lot of zoos, I won't say all zoos, but a lot of zoos, especially the all the ones that I've worked for, they move really slow in their hiring process. Yeah. Like you could apply. Yeah. Like I remember for Disney, I had like sent in my application it must have been like six months between like I, I sent in my application and then they, I got a call for the interview. It's like I, I almost had even forgotten <laughs> forgotten about it, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, apply early, uh, especially if you're still in school. That's really good advice. Um, well, the other thing a lot of zoos do is they they keep their resumes on file and just have like a list. Like there's a ton of like especially like uh, uh, private zoos will do that. And then I'll talk to friends that work for, for zoos that are county run or city run or state run. And they're like, oh yeah, we open our list once a year. And if you don't apply, then you're not, you, you're not eligible for a year. Oh so wow. You, yeah. Like I, I think, I think that's the way some zoos that I've applied at have, you know, did things. So yeah, you never know. Like if, if you don't get hired, you know, your first try, they might, they, they, it may have just been you and another person. And the next time, you know, they'd, they'd look your way. Yeah. And, and 
it's also even even if you don't either get a callback or whatever, at least like they see a name on a paper, like, hey, this person is interested. So the next time you apply, they're like, oh, he was interested before. So um yeah, yeah, that's really, really good advice. I, and I, I actually didn't because you get that line almost everything you apply for you're like oh yeah we'll put you on uh, you'll put your resume on file for six months or whatever and i always just assume it's just like completely blowing you off <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's that's good the good news that, that that doesn't always happen that they actually do come back to that sometimes um okay so kansas city zoo uh trip from did you move so you moved from from uh, north dakota to kansas city uh the Kansas City Zoo. I guess talk about that experience. But did you have some more culture shock there? I know Kansas City is probably a bigger city than than uh, uh, where NDSU is. Yeah, Kansas City reminded me a lot of Minnesota. Like it was a a nice mid-sized Midwest town or city. Um, it had a baseball team, so I was happy. It wasn't a very good baseball team at the time. <laughs> that actually made me pretty happy too, because tickets were like super cheap as you yeah. could go to a bunch of games. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was like, I really enjoyed going to Kansas city cause it was one of those young zoos that you hear about where like people go there and get a ton of experience. And then it's like that they're, it, it, it's like their waiting room for the zoo that like they were planning on going to. So I worked with a lot of people that worked there for a few years and are in Denver there for a few years or in Houston. Um, and then some people, you know, they stay like they're, it, they enjoy the zoo enough that there are plenty of people there that uh, have made a career out of working at the Kansas City Zoo. I, I've met several keepers uh, at, I think, really all of the zoos that I've worked with that spent some time at Kansas City. So it, it does seem kind of like a, a place that people go to for to maybe gain experience and then and then move on to, to other places, um, which is I guess is kind of rough for that zoo if they have that much turnover. Yeah, that was difficult. Um, you're always training new people and you're, you, you know, you're always uh, short staffed. Uh, it's a pretty big zoo, too. There was mm -hmm. like, I think there was like 60 to 70 keepers there. Probably not that many, but it felt like it. I think just with all the turnover, there was always someone new there. But there was like seven or eight different teams. They had like every animal imaginable. That was the best part. Like they had the huge Africa section. They had uh, a bunch of big cats. They had you know, three different great apes. They had all sorts of great animals there. So with the turnover, like if you're like, I want to work gorillas, it didn't take terribly long to for there to be a position where you could start working gorillas. If you yeah, want that, to work elephants, same thing. Right. That must be nice to be able to, to move around a little bit easier. Because a lot of zoos that doesn't happen. I know, I know they, they say it does <laughs> like, Oh yeah, yeah. You come, you come and get hired in this position and this position. And then, you know, if you want to go somewhere else, there'll probably be an opportunity. But in most cases, in reality, it's a lot harder to move around like that. You either, uh, you either lose seniority moving to a different team or, or it's just not as easy as, as, as it, they make it out to be. But so, but if you do have high turnover like that, then that leaves options for, for working with lots of different stuff. So, um, so how long did you spend at, at Kansas city? I was in Kansas there? City for about seven years. Seven years. Okay. Wow. Yeah. What kind of area did you work in the longest at, at there? Like what did, what kind of animals did you work with the longest in one, for one stretch? Or did you move around a lot? I, I didn't move around a lot there. I, I was hired on what was technically the children's zoo at the time. Um, right before I got to Kansas City, they got a bunch of bonding money passed. So they when they hired, they were like, yeah, we're going to be building and we're going to be building a lot. Oh, so every cool. year it was, yeah, it was really nice. So like every year there was something new being built. 
So uh, when I got hired, I got hired on the children's zoo. And but the children's zoo is unique because they wanted to have all sorts of like super um, energetic, exotic animals in it, too. So they redid this big red dairy barn and they built um, they, mod- they they revamped it to have like lemurs and squirrel monkeys and meerkats and all sorts of exotic animals in it. Um, and then at the same time, that team also had orangutans on it because they knew with the, all the, the movement um, with so many people that would, you know, wouldn't really want to necessarily want to work on a team that had a lot of domestics and stuff. They're like, well, if we put orangutans on it, the orangutan keepers will want to stay on there. Um, and it'll be an incentive to keep people uh, on that team. So I got to work, you know, one day I'd be working with goats. The next day I'd be working with orangutans. So uh, it, it was a really nice mix. And that eventually led to a split position between that team and also uh, our elephant team. So I got to work elephants for a few years. Um, and then eventually the they reformatted the zoo. Uh, we mo- renovated and reopened our the original zoo building that was 100 years old with an indoor rainforest inside. Um, and I was the assistant supervisor on that team and opening that building. That's so cool. Uh, opening new areas is, is a lot of fun. I've only had the opportunity to do it a couple of times, but like getting that shiny new facility <laughs> is, yeah. is, is, is great, especially when you've been working with like things that didn't work, like doors that wouldn't shift, rope pulleys that that, that get stuck all the time to be able to go yeah. into a nice, brand new new building. Uh, that's that's pretty awesome. We I got to be part of, of opening the the mountain lion exhibit at, at, at our zoo. So uh, recently in the last few years or so. So yeah, lots of, lots of cool stuff. Did you get to give uh, maybe not that early in your career? I don't know, but did, did they ever take like input from keepers on what you wanted to see in the exhibit spaces? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I get, it's a definitive no because I remember the drains were at the highest point. In the- oh, isn't that the worst? Like, <laughs> you don't have to be a keeper to know that the drain should be at the bottom. I got to hose water uphill now. Are you serious? Like those little things. Like, I always wonder, like, how how could you have thought that this was a good idea? <sighs> you get really good at um, understanding how to to rotate a hose. Oh yeah, in a circle around a drain, and the, or like squeegee into a triangle yeah i uh at san francisco zoo we had uh, my, my when i interned uh, we had these like you know these these dorky like awards and year-end awards mostly for volunteers but also for newer keepers and stuff and i got i, I won the golden hose award my first year like for the nice. person with the most efficient hoser or, or person who enjoys because nice. that's one of my favorite activities as a zookeeper i know it sounds silly but like you're hosing you just kind of zone out and like just kind of it's it's i don't know it's it's pleasurable for me to like wash away all the dirt and make the, the ground clean and stuff so yeah uh sounds, sounds if you don't come silly, up but... with things like that if you don't come up with games like that you'll <laughs> drive yourself crazy you're definitely play. oh yeah i can't tell you how proud i am at my leaf eater throwing ability <laughs> like, uh the, the red full of ore biscuits yeah 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 for sure um yeah we we, we have little games like that too and 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 uh We'll do like some because sometimes there's downtimes between between cleaning exhibits, so we have different pranks we play on each other. Like one guy, like whenever somebody walks into a porta potty and he's around and he sees it, he takes a big like dirt ball or rock or something and just chucks it and throws it at the at the porta potty, and <laughs> obviously it's a little bit uh, uh, <laughs> inside. It's very loud. I'll just say that. <laughs> so right, so you gotta you gotta you gotta make little games like that for yourself to stay sane in this job for sure. 
Okay, so it sounds like it kind of sounds like you've been mostly a generalist in your career. Like you've just worked a lot of varieties, so you haven't really specialized in anything. That's that's similar to my role too. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. Like I I really uh, I really appreciate all the keepers that are like super specific, like keepers that work the same and put like everything into the species that they take care of. I, I think it's amazing. I wish that I had a little bit of, more of that in me, but I just I. I can't do the same routine week in and week out. Yeah, I, I I was that for I guess maybe like the first fifteen years of my career, but lately I've kind of kind of fallen in love with bears. Um, so I've kind of tried to specialize that way and work bears as much as possible. But still, like it's 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 great for the zoo, not as good for for my career. Just that you know I'm trained everywhere and and can work basically anything on the team, so it works out well for the zoo. Not necessarily as well for me, but that's okay. I still get the variety and everything. Um, so, okay. So seven years at Kansas City. Uh, what kind of made you want to leave there after seven years? Did you, did you, was there something that happened or you just kind of wanted to go home or, or, or what? Yeah. I mean, there are a couple different things at, at the end of it, it. I just got tired of coming home for bad reasons. Like the only time I was coming home was like a death in the family, oh, that sucks. Or, you know, someone's sick or something like that. So like I, it as easy of a drive as it was, it was like, it, you know, it's it, seven or eight hours in the car to come home. Isn't going to happen every weekend or whenever yeah. I want. So the, the, the goal was, you know, to always get back to Minnesota. And unfortunately I came from a place where two of the hardest zoos to get hired at are the ones that I was trying to get into. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that must be really cool to be able to go back to, basically the zoos that you grew up in, like the, the ones that you grew up going to. And now, now you actually yeah. work there, like kind of like full circle. Yeah. I've gotten two out of the three Brookfield and, and Minnesota. I, I, I haven't worked at Como. That's okay. Close enough. Maybe, maybe you can throw some more volunteer yeah. time, time over there or something. I, uh, we don't, have, don't do enough with I mean, animals. Como keepers and, and Minnesota keepers. Like we actually have a get together coming up. Like we get together routinely and like i we've a lot of us have worked together before at other places so i can go over there and be like hey what's new what do you want to show me today yeah yeah, yeah. minnesota it's pretty sweet are, are um are your azacs combined like for that just for an area do you have like an area azac or does each zoo have their own azac chapter no we we have our own so you've been doing this job for i put it at about 15 right now. 15 okay so so 15 years in you have you, you pretty much know what you like and what you don't like at this point um so like what's one of your like your most favorite aspects of zuki well i guess if i could come in every morning to a uh malayan taper calf that would be pretty cool <laughs> yes like that's what i was thinking like i kind of make little mental notes every now and then like uh when we were doing the when we were doing our taper calf and we put up like a live webcam so because she stays off exhibit until she can swim and everything and we're comfortable right. with her being out um I was like, that's the, in my mind, that's the best thing about being a zookeeper is that you get to know before anybody else, you get to see before anybody else. Like a couple of years ago, I, I came in and found our, our newest talking calf had been born overnight. And then I watched another one get born on exhibit like a week later and just stuff like that, that it's just like, let's be honest. Like if you work at a zoo for 15 years, you can say that uh, no two days are the same, but you have some days that are exactly the same. There are some stretches of period where you, you're going and, you know, you feed these guys, you clean, you feed again. And those moments where, you know, it, it's something super cool, something super unique. Um, that's really exciting still. And that's never that's not going to go away. No, totally. 
Um, so, so seven years, seven years at Kansas City, six years here, two years as an intern. What's what's next for you, Jim? Do you have any aspirations of of going into management or, or as a lead? I know you said you're already assistant uh, supervisor um, for the Australian area. Is that some place where you see yourself wanting to go like full time in the future? Yeah, I mean, I've had a couple tastes of it, and you know, I I enjoy it. I enjoy uh, the added responsibility. Uh, I enjoy interacting with people. Sometimes that's uh, that's not every every zookeeper's forte. So yeah, I like uh, uh, putting together programs like that. Um, so yeah, I can totally see myself uh, moving in that direction. For me, for me, it's all about not not knowing if my body is going to continue to hold up now that I'm going to be forty, know, be 40 yeah. this year. Yeah, like that's it's a what, huge one. Yeah, yeah, because like in twenty years when I'm sixty, like I'm not quite going to be retired yet. But am I really going to want to? I don't know, wrestle a, a Markor or a, a, some big hoof stock yeah. animal into a tamer or something when I'm 60 years old and my body hurts when I'm 40. So uh, that's definitely a, a reason why I might pursue that in the future too. So good I, stuff. I'm, I'm 35 and I work with a couple, uh, there, there's a, quite a few older keepers at our zoo and they're all just, I think they take better care of themselves than I, <laughs> and I think they've always taken it. And I've, overweight and like i enjoy exercising but i don't do it enough and my diet doesn't complement the exercise and yeah i'm the same way i'm the same way i have a terrible i have a terrible diet and like it's so hard when you have a physical job like like we do like it's so hard to like come home and then get up to go do more exercise because what we do is basically physical labor all day yeah and then like i've got to go home and do more physical labor it's like, dude, I've yes. already walked like I have a little step counter or whatever. I've already walked like 15, 16,000 steps today. Like I feel pretty good. But but the, the reality of the situation is your body gets into that routine and like it doesn't really yeah. do anything for you health wise. So you have to push yourself to do more. And I, I'm really terrible at that, too, man. Like I come home and I'm like done and I just want to sit on the couch and watch TV for a little bit, you know. Right. Yeah. I, I actually took part in a, a weight loss study this last year with our insurance company. And like, I had to go in and see a nutritionist every week. And the first one I was like, they were like, how active are you? And I'm like, there's no column for how active I am. Like (laughs) I walk all day, I'm lifting all day. And so like, she was like, all right, well, you know, eat this many calories for, uh, for the week and, or, or, or daily for a week and come back and we'll see where you're at. And I lost like, I think I lost like 12 pounds in a week by going on the diet that for someone that's like an inactive person should have been on. And she was like, yeah, no, stop eating that much. Eat more. Don't do that again. Yeah. That, yeah I mean, it's, it's, it's so hard. And, and people that first, when they first start, they lose a ton of weight. We had a security guard that got hired as a keeper, uh, I don't know, several years ago. And we have this one, one string that's basically all hillside exhibits. So like it's a, a center pathway, I don't know. I wouldn't say a 45 degree angle, but it's pretty dang steep. Um, and then exhibits kind of off to the side of them. They're all on hillsides. So you're constantly walking up and down hillsides. He must have lost like three pant sizes within the first month of uh, uh, of being there. Dropped like 40 or 50 pounds. Just didn't really change anything about his his uh, yeah. lifestyle. Just doing that new job. So uh, it, it, we joke on the on the Mesa team that that you don't have to have a gym membership because you get all your cardio <laughs> and everything yeah. in right there. But uh, unfortunately it, it, your body does become used to it and you have to push your arms, but it's just, it's just so hard. Uh, we have a few people that do run marathons and stuff like go run like 10 miles after work. I have no idea how they have, have the energy for that after, you know, getting up at four 30 in the morning or whatever to start at six. So, uh, 
yeah, definitely, definitely consider it, consider that if you're looking for this job, that is a very physical job and you are going to be physically tired for sure. I actually used to be, a, my wife confirms this. She's a teacher now. I, I, I taught for about a year and a half as well. And like, it's a different kind, like from the, that kind of job, you come home just like mentally exhausted and like can't yeah. think about anything. But this job, you come home <laughs> physically exhausted. Yeah. And you need to shut off that part of your body sometimes. So um all right well before we get out of here jim uh, i know we, you mentioned a little a little bit at the beginning about a funny or embarrassing story so do you have uh, one you can tell us about an animal or, or a guest or something yeah i do this this happened like it was like three months the first the first summer i was in kansas city um we had we partnered with iowa uh fishing game and released we would uh, breed swans and then the cygnets would get released so they were out on a pond that was connected by a couple different ponds. And it was like close to the public, um, a nice quiet area. And we were going to go catch the cygnets to do uh, either move them or do a health check or I can't remember what it was. And uh, so I was like being all like, you know, new guy, I got to be like super proactive. Let's let's uh, uh, I'm going to show them that I, I deserve to be here. And so they're like, all right, the, the swans are in this little pathway area that like, it was like, go, you know, we can, we can get them now. Like we just need to, we just need to corner them. And I was like, oh, there's this huge bamboo pole that'll work perfectly for just, you know, cornering them, keeping them in there. <laughs> so I'm running through the zoo with this bamboo pole. And for the rest of the time at the zoo, I was just mocked for it. Like now, anytime I see any, any big bamboo, I take a picture and send it to everybody that was involved in it. Um, <laughs> but the guest stories, there's too many guest stories. Like yeah. everybody, like, if you don't have like at least 20 guest stories, then you don't spend enough time on the public path. Like you need to get out there. And like the our kangaroo exhibit, I had to stand and talk to people all summer. And so there's just bad ones. And usually it's just super weird, bizarre people. I've had people tell me like all they want to do is go in and lay down with our capybara and pet them. <laughs> um, I had, uh, we, we had a whiteboard in Kansas city that we always wrote the weirdest things that we had heard uh, out in the public area. And I think when I left, I hope no one's topped this, but someone was like looking at our sake monkeys and they said, uh, are those the monkeys from the wizard of Oz? And I just looked really blankly at them. Like, I don't even know how to answer that. <laughs> and her boyfriend went, no, those ones have tails. And I was like, all right, fine. That's, that's how we can end this interaction. So, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, I've I have tons of those too, man. Uh, given polar bear talks, I've had people walk up and tell me that these are just albino black bears, uh, yeah, <laughs> that, that kind of stuff. I do need. I, I keep I keep teasing it. I need to just do it. Uh, I want to do an episode where I record. It's just basically I record a bunch of keepers telling different thing, dumb things that guests do, and then that's the whole episode where we just have like i don't know like 15 20 stories of, of dumb things i guess too and, and yeah. then kind of like do something like okay this is how you go to the zoo and this is how you not go to the zoo absolutely i've been working on that one with our media department oh yeah like, every time when you when you're out in the public area all you like if you're how many times have you been in the public area at like one o'clock and someone's like everything's asleep you're like yeah get here at nine when it's cool out one o'clock it's hot out right like i want to take a nap you want to take a nap your kid's taking a nap like yeah, that's what you, every, I think every zoo should like break down like the bet like the best way I I call it like the way the zookeeper would see the zoo, like that's that's a that's a great like, way to put it. Yeah, 
get, you got to adapt to the animals just because they're in a zoo doesn't mean they're going to change their life. Like we get that at the main wolf exhibit all the time too. Like they're, I mean, they're crepuscular animals. They're, they're up early and, 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 and late and you come to the zoo at, at noon and you can't see them and you wonder why <laughs> it's just, yeah. uh, and then they get up, then they get upset about it. And it's like, I can't just press a button and make the wolf come out here, dude. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's really good advice. Okay. So before I, we, the last thing before we get out of here, Jim, uh, again, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I like to give my guests at the end here, you know, just to kind of open the floor. You can either, I don't know if you're doing any research or anything, anything you want to plug, uh, anything that you really want to talk about, whether it's about your career advice for other keepers or whatever, just kind of like to give you the, the floor at the end here. Uh, no, thanks for having me on. Uh, my advice to any young keeper is just, I, I think I've heard it on the podcast before. Just say yes. Like be open. Like when I was an intern, I was like, I'm going to be a reptile keeper. And then I somehow did not become a reptile keeper at all. Like maybe at home and a, a little bit, I know a little bit more than some hoofstock guys, but uh, like I didn't think that I would ever end up working orangutans and elephants and all sorts of different stuff. And so just be open to things and, and, and try new experiences in the field. It's, it, there's a lot of like fun stuff out there that you wouldn't even know to realize that uh, you were into. Yeah. Keep all your, all your options open. Don't burn any bridges. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, Jim, you've been awesome, man. If you guys want to follow Jim on Twitter, see him uh, uh, tweet about movies and, and football and yeah. occasionally, occasionally animal stuff. You can follow him at Jim, the zookeeper. You can follow me at M Pricer. There's not a Twitter for the show, but that's a, actually there is a Twitter for the show, but I never I never use it. You can follow that if you want at Zookeeper Story. Um, hope you guys had a good time today. Jim, thank you again so much. You guys have a great day, great day, and we will see you next time with another episode of Zookeeper Stories. Thank you for listening to the Zookeeper Stories podcast. I hope you learned something about zookeeping and had a few laughs along the way. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes and Stitcher. It really helps me to grow the show and continue to improve. If you have any questions or comments about the podcast, you can send an email to zookeeperstories at gmail.com or tweet me at zookeeperstory. 